Welcome into the 20th and Blake podcast here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Drew Creaseman, and yeah, I'm still pretty pissed off. <laughs> I, think every, I think everybody is, right? I don't think any real hardcore baseball fans are super happy today on this Wednesday after it has been announced that at least a couple of regular season games have been canceled. I wanted to on this show, get to some conversation from last night in a Q&A that I did on Twitter, on the Twitter spaces. Make sure you're following me at Drew Creaseman on Twitter because uh, I'm going to do some of those semi-regularly and it's a great opportunity for you, the fan, to get involved if you happen to be around your phone while I'm doing it. Uh, you can also always send me questions at any time on Twitter there and uh, occasionally I will answer them here on the podcast, but I wanted to get to some of that Q&A because it dives deeper into the issue, and actually, I think I came up with an analogy in answering a question that really helped even me to codify exactly what the issue is here and and how I feel about it, but I wanted to address, before we get into that Q&A, a couple of things that happened after I signed off last night. One is that the commissioner spoke and made it clear that they have canceled the first two series of uh, the season. And so we do officially have canceled games. And that he said in the breath right after that or right before, it was all a little bit of a blur. I can't remember the exact sequence of events. But, uh, of course, the big pull quote from the entire thing, right, was... The, the fans have been our number one priority from the beginning. And quite frankly, I call giant BS. That's nonsense. That's an absurd thing to say directly to our faces. When we watched you not have meetings for 43 days, when we watched you lock the players out, savvy fans know what this is. This isn't a strike. This is an owner lockout. And there would not be a lockout of any kind, and there would be no deadlines, and there would be no canceled games if the owners were putting the fans first. If the owners were truly, truly putting the fans first, not only would this have been solved a while ago, and they would have just done what the players have asked, because what the players have asked is incredibly reasonable and benefits the fans a lot more than what the owners want. But even if they wholeheartedly and earnestly disagree with that, which they don't, it's a cynical disagreement, but let's just say, for the sake of argument, that the owners truly, in their hearts, believe that what they are offering, what their, quote, best and final offer was, that that is what's best for the game and for the fans, and that they're truly just disappointed that the players can't see that, and that they're going to hold the players responsible. Even if that were the case, it is still 100% on the owners for canceling games. They are making the decision to do this. The players have played before in the 90s for a couple of seasons without a collective bargaining agreement. They don't have to cancel anything. The owners are doing this because essentially their argument would be they're afraid that if they start playing games, then the players will strike. But the players haven't said we're going to strike. The players haven't threatened to walk off the field. The players haven't threatened to cancel games. The owners are just doing it. 
because they think maybe the players would somewhere down the line, despite the fact that history shows us that the players have been willing to play without a collective bargaining agreement while continuing to negotiate. So even if you buy everything that the owners are saying about where the rules should be, uh, how the profits should be split up, everything that they want out of the CBA negotiation, even if you agree with all of that, it is still the case that the only people responsible for canceling games right now are the owners. And that the fact that the players haven't agreed to the owner's terms is not what's canceling games. That is that is not what's doing it. The the players or I'm sorry, the owners are basically holding everybody hostage in this situation, right? I'm gonna make another analogy before I throw it over to the Q&A, but, and this will only work for some people. There, there are scenes like this in lots of movies and television shows, but if anyone watched Peacemaker on HBO, there is this scene, right, where, and, and this happens in a lot of like action stuff or like spy movie things where somebody gets kidnapped or two people get kidnapped and like the bad guy is going to take it out on one person to try to get the other person to talk, right? So you've got a bad guy who's, torturing peacemakers sidekick vigilante and saying give me the information give me the information and of course in this show it's it's comedic right it's funny because john cena is peacemaker sitting there going don't worry dude i'm not going to give him any information and vigilante is sitting there getting tortured maybe maybe give him some information (laughs) right and that's that's what's going on here the owners are the guy with the hammer torturing people and threatening if you don't do what we ask we're going to take away games okay you're not doing what we ask bam i hit you with the hammer there's the first two series of the season gone now do what i ask or i'm going to hit you again with the hammer the players are john cena not taking the brunt of the torture but sitting there going on principle i'm not going to give you just exactly what you want just because you're doing this horrible thing to try to get it and then, of course, the fans are represented by Vigilante. They're the ones taking the brunt of the punishment, screaming at the players, please give them something, give in to the bad guy so that this will just stop, right? And so that's why I totally get where there is fan anger at the players. You know, I get why Vigilante in that scene is screaming at Peacemaker, give him some information, give him some information. But no, that's how bullies win. That's how bullies get what they want. And, you know, we've got to find a a better way. And so I get that the fans feel like they're the ones being tortured by canceled games and all this other stuff, because they are. They're the ones taking the brunt of the punishment. But the players, I believe, are in their right to sit there and go, no, 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 no. This is, we're not going to just give in. Like, we're not the ones making a compromise, right? Like, the owners have to do something. They got to put down the hammer at the very least. Before we're having an actual, because this isn't, this hasn't been a negotiation. It's been a shakedown from the very beginning. And until it stops being a shakedown and starts being a negotiation, there's only so much the players can do. Because they're sitting there tied to the chair like Peacemaker going, you know, do I save my friend, but maybe, you know, allow for the end of the world? Like, no, you got to stand on the much larger principle of, the long-term health of baseball in this case. So 
Yeah, that's my extra analogy. Like I said, I'll get back into the Q&A now from last night. I'm sure I'll have plenty of further thoughts as we continue to go down this dark and painful road. But let's get into answering some of these questions. Yeah, well, uh, to answer, so Sam, who I see is, is down here in the listener, but wrote at, uh, at me on Twitter, says, you know, I don't know how the owners who largely seem to be intelligent people can be so short-sighted. And yeah, and, and I think that's the right phrase to use, right? It really is short-sighted. And it's this weird kind of idea that you don't make your money based on making the product better. You make your money based on essentially scavenging as much as you possibly can of kind of trying to draw it out of people because as you were saying you know the well the opposite of short term it's it's long term you're welcome everybody for that educational session for the day but yeah in the long term and again this is the phrase that i used in in the piece today the the rising tide mentality right it takes a little while for the rising tide to raise all boats for every if everyone does better than everyone does better it would be absolutely better for the game of baseball if teams like the reds and the mariners and the marlins and the rockies and the tigers and the royals didn't have to go through these long stretches where they feel like they're barely relevant or they are barely relevant you know, and, and I've tried to talk about this before, and people oftentimes think I'm just making excuses for the Colorado Rockies, and it's it's really not about that. Like, this has always been an issue in baseball, and it's telling that if you look at the top five teams over a 150-year period, they all made the postseason last year. The Yankees, the Dodgers, the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Cubs. Wait, the Cubs didn't make it last year, did they? Uh but still, you, you get my point. And, you know, every once in a while, one of these Cinderella teams rises up and wins the World Series. And we all have a lot of fun. And it's it's fascinating, isn't it? Because baseball is a game where randomness is, is a big part of it. And chaos is a big part of it. And the, quote, lesser team on paper can beat the better team given, say, uh, a pitching matchup or a few bounces of the ball. Or we've seen teams like the Kansas City Royals, for example, perfect example, when they won the World Series, right, playing a different style of baseball altogether, saying, we can't out-home run everybody, so we're not going to try. What we're going to do is run the bases incredibly well, play remarkable defense, and have a ridiculous lights-out bullpen. Uh, remember they had Greg Holland and Wade Davis and shoot, who was the third guy? Joaquim Soria? Mm, feel like I'm off on that. But they won the World Series using essentially the, the exact opposite model of what most people tell you you need to do to be successful. But they found their own way to do it. And so baseball does allow for that. And that's why I'm so frustrated by the current state of it. That's why I'm so with the players sticking their heels in. I keep saying st- it's digging their heels in, Drew. It's okay. I talk for a living. It's fine. It it's why I'm I'm so okay with them doing that. Because baseball should be a game where everyone is trying to compete, where 
Everyone is trying to get better and everyone is trying to win because on any given day, the worst team in baseball absolutely can beat the best team in baseball. That's why we play series even during the season, right? It's the only sport that does that where you've got to play three and four times in a row and you don't really count the success, you know, especially early on, you're counting how many series you win and lose as much as you are games that you win and lose. And that's definitely, you know, how players and managers and people think about it. You, you've got to play them several times. And therefore, if there was more parity in the game, and I believe that will come with extra postseason spots. And, you know, I, I really do wish again, there were more, I wish there was a salary floor on the table, but that clearly, like if the, if the owners aren't even going to move on the CBT on the, on the ceiling, they're definitely not going to listen to the players talk about a floor like that's, uh, and, and that's so frustrating to me because I think that's one of the, that would be one of the best things for the game is to get rid of this thing that like the Orioles have done and Houston and Chicago did it and ended up going back and winning World Series but the Orioles do it and then don't or, or the Pirates or the Mariners do it and you know haven't gotten anywhere close to the World Series but where their salary for the year is just disturbingly low I mean they're paying I think there was a stat last year that the entire Baltimore Orioles team was making less than the New York Yankees starting outfield and maybe just two of them you know, that's that shouldn't happen. I don't care if you don't think that you can beat the Yankees this year. You can't just not field a team and then pocket all of the extra money from the, you know, because people will still just buy tickets and jerseys. We all know. You're you're all Rockies fans listening to this. You know that it's not just here. People think, well, maybe it's a little more extreme here that people will just buy tickets for the experience and for being in Lodo and for having a nice time out at the ballpark. But it's definitely not the only place where that happens. You know, people in Baltimore are just baseball fans too and want to swing by the ballpark whether the team is bad or not and you know have a nice afternoon out and drink some beer have a hot dog watch a ball game i mean yeah that's just again we all know we've all been to rockies games probably if you're listening to this when the team wasn't very good and so you're you're technically out there supporting them right and as much as people you know have their frustrations with dick monfort the vast majority of which are 100% valid. I do appreciate the fact that he has never tanked, that he has never been, you know, the the lowest payroll in the game and he's never purposefully tried to lose. I I think he like a lot of them has been far too cynical with tightening the belt at times when he really didn't need to and using things like the pandemic as an excuse. But those are finer details than some of these teams who you look down and you're like their entire payroll is 58 million. Man, Max Scherzer is making forty. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like, how is that possible that it's that low? And so, I really think that there should be a salary floor, but obviously, that's going to be a non-starter for the owners. And and again, that's just the kind of thing that if we're really sitting down and making the game better. And I was thinking about actually maybe even trying to do this, trying to write this out because I've I've made the comparison a couple times to professional wrestling with. You know, the the WWE during the time when there was no WCW or AEW, it was worse. It was stale and it was allowed to continue to get worse and continue to be stale because there was no other wrestling on TV, right? It's the same thing with Major League Baseball. The owners don't care because there's nowhere else for people to go. But what if there was? 
what if there was another league in the proverbial across town, right? Or in, in everyone's individual city? What if we built a stadium or used a stadium in Colorado Springs or Boulder or something and every different state did that? And we got a commissioner together, uh, you know, which basically uh, somebody who's good with spreadsheets, you know, somebody who's good in Excel. And, you know, obviously the big thing is you got to be able to get enough money together to pay the players in recognition that, and I believe it was Jeff Passan who wrote this. I always say his name wrong, Passan, who wrote this, that, you know, baseball and, and professional sports, kind of like the entertainment industry, it's a little bit unique in that way because in most industries, you, the worker, create a product, right? At the end of the day, I've got an article or a podcast that I can theoretically sell to an advertiser or whatever. But the ball players, they are the product. They, they themselves and the performance that they give is the product that you're selling. And in any other industry, that's what generates the income and it's recognized as such. They just get squeezed out here because these other people, the owners, well, owners of what? We know they own the teams, but what they really own is the infrastructure, right? They own a, a league apparatus and they've got enough money that they can pay these players. But where does that money come from? Their teams have appreciated. Most of these owners have been around for a very long time owning these teams and they bought them for way, way, way less than what they're worth now. And so, yeah, like, again, if we if we could go back in time or, or if we just started from scratch now, how long would it take us? Yeah, you got to get the TV revenues. It's all about, like, we could create a league straight up like if you especially if you had 30 other wealthy people that's really what you need just 30 people who are maybe not as wealthy as these owners but people who've still got enough money that we can write some checks and pay some players maybe we don't bring them all over we need to rent out some stadiums and that my friends is it there are people in sports journalism there are people maybe listening to this right now who could organize and run a league and, and write better rules and create better parity and make sure that everyone has an opportunity to compete and that all of the players are taken care of fairly and have a fair opportunity for opportunity. But the owners basically, there, there are 30 people in the world who have a monopoly on that idea. Because if given the chance... If we were building this thing from the ground up, nobody, probably not even these owners, would build the league the way that it is. Like they're just being stubborn as hell, stick in the muds, sticks in the mud. It's like attorneys general, sticks in the mud, who are seeing the comfort of the profits they're making now. And just don't want that system to change. It, it, that's what, They don't want anything to change. If it was up to them, zero things would change. Absolutely zero things would change. And meanwhile, baseball is making more and more money every year. 30% increase in profits over the last 10 years. Some of that has to go to the people who create the product. It looks like Brandon was able to DM me his questions. So um, number one is, I understand the player side, but don't 
Both the players and owners do this for the love of the game. At some point, money isn't everything. Well, you know, this is part of the problem is that I would say to you, 90 plus percent of the players do it for the love of the game. Like they like the the paychecks and the pretty girls and all the other things that come along with playing baseball and being a professional athlete to be sure. But they really love baseball. I've only talked to maybe one and I've only seen a handful of guys publicly just kind of say, you know what? It's a job. I just treat it like it's a job. You know, baseball, it's fine, but it's a job. And there are some guys who feel that way, and they're 100% entitled to that opinion. But I would say an overwhelming majority of ballplayers love the game of baseball. They've loved it since they were five years old, you know, or before that. You know, they they want to play. They dream of playing. They, as much as the paychecks are absolutely nice and no one's complaining about those, I think a lot of guys would would play honestly for less overall money if they felt like the system was fair. I don't think it's about the ultimate overall money because if the money just wasn't there to pay the players, then I don't think they'd be saying, hey, man, we need a raise because we're not paid enough. It's that the money exists. They keep seeing themselves make money. Think of it this way. Imagine you're a musician and you create a hit record, right? And that hit record sells 100 million copies worldwide. And your publisher or your studio gives you $3 million. Now, you've got $3 million and I don't. And I'm going, damn, dude, you got $3 million for making music. That's so cool. How could you possibly be complaining? And you're sitting there going, well, I, look, look, man, I'm not complaining. And obviously my life has gotten considerably considerably better with the $3 million and everything. But the studio just took my idea, my creation, my work, and took 90% of the revenue that was produced because of it. I don't think you would think that that's fair, despite the money that you're getting and despite your love of making music, people say, well, why don't, why not just do it for the love of making music? You're like, man, I love making music, but come on. Right. And that's the problem with the flip side of the conversation is do the owners do it for the love of the game to answer the second half of your question? Some of them do some of them. And I don't want to speak with a blanket statement because I don't know any of these guys personally. I've only chatted with Dick Monfort a handful of times. I see what they say in public, you know, things like that. But ultimately, based on their actions, I would say probably half of them don't care about the game of baseball at all. They, they view it as another investment. These guys own multiple real estate properties. They own, they have investments in all kinds of things, right? Including stock markets, whatever else. It's an investment. And... Their baseball team is just that. And they don't look at it in terms of wins or losses or if the fans are happy or championships or pennants or any of that. They just want to make sure, like with everything else that they own, they're only spending X and that they're always making Y year after year. That's what your baseball team is for. And that is exactly the problem that the players are trying to solve by standing up and saying, no, the competitiveness of the game and the health of the game has to matter at some point. 
it can't be all just about money. And so, yeah, I, I think those are two great questions. And I, and I hope that answer helped. I'd actually never thought of that music analogy before. So I'm probably going to reuse that one again. And to your second question, does Manfred get shown the door? Brandon, I surely hope so. Uh, and and this is one thing I could see, you know, if I'm if I'm pipe dreaming about a future where this all turns out for the best, right? If I'm giving a Disney movie ending to this fiasco, it would be something like this that the players do get the owners to budge on some of these things. It's not going to be enough. It's never going to be enough. It's not going to be fair. Fair was three offers ago from the players. Okay. And and probably not even that. So fair isn't on the table. The players are at some point going to have to accept something that is less than fair. But I hope there are ramifications from it. And that could be one. That could be one thing that the owners collectively could do that, you know, to just say, look, it's time for Rob Manfred to step down. His tenure has been marked by scandal after scandal after scandal and nothing but the angriest in-your-face collective bargaining negotiations, right? There, I, I don't know a single well-informed, reputable baseball person out there who would argue that the game has grown for the better under his tenure. There's been so much just not baseball that people like me, I got into this, folks, because I like talking about, hey, why did he throw the fastball there instead of the slider? Hey, man, would you send the runner in this situation? Oh, man, this pitcher versus this hitter, this is going to be a matchup. Uh, you know, two two aces on the hill today could be a low-scoring game, could mean that this one comes down to one of those bounces of the balls. Oh, man, is the manager going to go to his bullpen here? Is he going to let his starter try to go over that 100-pitch mark? Like, I could talk about that stuff all day. I could talk about the shift. I could talk about the DH, roster construction, left, right, left, right, on and on and on and on and on. That's what I got into this to do. But during Rob Manfred's tenure, this is like the third time I've had to talk about people's contracts and the collective bargaining negotiation and remember what the heck even CBT is. Like, all right, that's what they call the luxury tax. Like, I've had to deal with writing about an umpire who threatened people on Twitter, numerous sexual harassment scandals. Uh, you know, it's it's just the, the, the domestic violence stuff that's come out during his tenure and the way no one seemed to care when Roberto Ozuna just goes to the Astros and wins the world. And like juiced baseballs and then non-juiced baseballs at specific times. Uh, you know, I'm sure I'm forgetting some, right? Like all of these things that I would so much rather be talking about the game. But instead, it's been a circus. And it's extraordinarily frustrating. So maybe there's a world in which, you know, however this thing ends, he steps down and 
we can maybe get a commissioner who's not inclined to call the World Series trophy a piece of metal. I left. I was listing all the scandals, and I left out the sign stealing stuff and the piece of metal comment. I mean, again, you can go on and on and on about the ways in which this guy just has not been a steward of the game of baseball. It gets back to your first question. You know, for the love of the game, shouldn't the commissioner of baseball be in it for the love of the game? But he has shown over and over and over again that he's just trying to make as much money for the owners as possible and that everything else comes secondary to that. And look, I get they're in the money-making business, and I do not bemoan anybody for getting their paper. I really don't. Like, if we're willing to pay the ticket prices and the jersey prices and the beer prices and everything else that us consumers are willing to do, I've got no problem with the wealthy owners making themselves wealthier and the rich players making themselves richer. It just needs to be fair. It needs to be absolutely fair. And yeah, Brandon, to your final point here, Manfred has said nothing until the 8th. Like, that's inexcusable, quite frankly. So, somebody has to make the owners behave themselves. (laughs) No one's going to. No one really has the power. The only thing that the players can do is not cave. And I think that, quite frankly, they should stand firm on their best and final offer that they sent in. And yeah, if we've got to cancel games, we've got to cancel games. It shouldn't come down to this. The owners can afford to do all of this. They will not be hurt by just agreeing to what the players have asked for. They wouldn't have been hurt by two or three offers ago. But they have just grown accustomed to no one being able to tell them what to do. It's like that little kid in school who clearly never gets told no at home, but then comes to school and hears it, throws a massive fit. That's what's happening right now. (laughs) It's basically what's going on with the owners. Uh, Disappointing. Anyway. All right, I'm going to go ahead and wrap this one up here. I appreciate you all for listening in to this episode. Sorry about the circumstances. Uh, You know, as long as this goes on, I'm going to be diving deeper and deeper into it, trying to get some multiple perspectives. I've already reached out to former Colorado Rockies and Milwaukee Brewers pitcher Mark Knudsen, who, you know, has been through a work stoppage before on the players' side back in the 90s, has lots of thoughts and opinions about this, so I'm going to get his take. I've reached out to a few other people to try to get some perspectives and some details and and try to dive through this, maybe even some history you know, on, on other work stoppages and what all of this is really and truly about and how we can move forward. And hopefully there's baseball before too long, but that's what we'll be doing for the next couple of days for sure. I'll still have Rocky's talk. I'll still have Rocky's history talk. But we gotta we gotta get into the CBA stuff, don't we? So thank you all for listening and continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. You know that I will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I will see you at the ballpark. <laughs>